Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle-aged warriors, Chris Cimino and Rick Summers. Well, once again, we want to welcome you to Middle Age Warriors with me, Rick, him, Chris, mm-hmm. and you being you. And you're doing a good job of being you, and we really appreciate that. <laughs> well, <laughs> who'll be the judge of that exactly? Yeah, Them. really, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Them. <laughs> How goes? How goes? All is good. All is good. Busy. Uh, you know, we were just talking before the show started that uh, um, I've got one team that I'm, you know, still on a high with, but it's early in the season. That's the Mets. But my Rangers are really just destroying me here in the playoffs wow. so far. I don't know what's going on with just Dirk and, and goal. I don't know. Seven it's, goals in back-to-back games. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's I will rough. say that Pittsburgh team is powerful. But yeah, honestly, I don't think anybody could have ever, ever anticipated that the Rangers would suck as bad as they have in the past couple of games. Yeah, well, I think that first game with the going at the triple overtime and losing it at home, that yeah. sort of sets the tone. You know, it yeah. really did. So uh, we'll see. It's not As of this recording, it's not over yet, but I, I smell it might be shortly. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, but it was an exciting week for you as a Mets fan, huh? You were yeah, actually, no-hitter. yeah, I got to witness a no hitter and all the years I've gone to, you know, ball games, I've seen a one hitter here or there, not the kind that went to the ninth inning, the kind that was like up in the second or third inning, the one hit allowed. I think it was Sid Fernandez and it was some other guy many, many moons ago, but yeah, so it was exciting. And it's always exciting way, to beat the Phillies. You know. I'm sorry. I hate to be the, uh, the thorn in the rose, but as a naysayer, I really, I don't think that a multiple pitcher, no hitter is the same. Oh, it's not. I know. And it was just kind of like, so what? I mean, you know, you're still holding the opposing team to no hits. So that being said, I think that's, that's a collective. Technically it is. It just, it just seems to hold more weight uh, when one guy gets out there. Well, of and course, throws nine innings and Absolutely. shuts them down. So, well, I mean, and you know, I had this discussion with my friend because I don't think the Mets up until that point really had a no hitter. Because if there was instant replay, you know, Santana's no hitter would not have been a no hitter because there was oh, clearly the ball hit the line. It was a fair ball. Uh, is Beltran, that right? I don't even remember. What yeah, was against that? the Cardinals, Beltran was would that have like had ten years ago. Uh, probably at least I don't remember yeah. what two thousand and something. They're all a blur to me. But yeah, I mean, it's it clearly. I mean, you if you go online and search for it, it'll say the Mets non no hitter, <laughs> but and you'll see the ball hitting hitting the chalk. It was a fair ball. Oh so, yeah. Uh, but you know, back then you didn't have replays. They didn't overrule. Yeah. But so to me, they still really didn't have a no hitter. On the other hand, you're claiming. Mm. So I think statistically, there's been 315 no hitters. I think uh, I don't know if it was 20 something or 30 something perfect games, and there have been 17 combined no hitters so i saw the rarest type of no hitter so don't rain on my parade mister that's right there you go <laughs> uh, and you were there it was it exciting yeah it was actually you know as and the thing was to be perfect it was a very cold night and i really had to use the men's room from the third inning on but being <laughs> you know superstitious i wouldn't move i'm like i can't get up there was a friend sitting in another section he wanted me to meet him i'm like i would but I can't because of the you-know-what that's happening. And sure enough, I didn't move from my seat, and I saw the no-hitter, so there. Oh, good. Well, that's pretty cool. Superstition so, continues. <laughs> if you still have the t- ticket stub, save it. 
Yeah, well, everything's on a phone these days. You yeah, that's have true. Stuff. It's yeah, that's kind of true. a bummer. I'm not really happy about that. But anyway, so what's what's new with you? Nothing. We uh, just got back from uh, a few days in Florida mm-hmm. where it was hot as a mother. Already? Um, wow. Oh, yeah. It was like, I think uh, two days ago we were there and back-to-back days it was like 95, 96. Wow. That's Orlando, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're landlocked. landlocked landlocked orlando with no breeze but you know what at night it's nice yeah such as life but that that was nice to be out of the city for a couple of days but it was it was good to be back i missed we missed our cat Mm -hmm. of course you always you miss the kids you always miss the kids you want to come back speaking of coming back we have a returning guest yes we do rob barnett is uh he's such an interesting dude and the fact that we both cross paths at Viacom, but never knew each other back then many years ago. And um, I think we're just going to tee him up and and let him go in a couple of minutes. He's a headhunter, and uh, we're going to hear from him after we hear from one of our really important and cherished sponsors. Absolutely. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join us and use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You are just soaring through the stratosphere. Well, thanks for having me back. It's great. It's been a great journey. It's, it's now coming up on the four-year anniversary of this new mission in life as a headhunter putting companies and media pros together. And it's a journey that I love. It's one I never expected. Uh, If you would have told me four years ago, hey, I think you should be a headhunter. It would have sounded like, you know, dance instructor or gym teacher. (laughs) (laughs) This was not, this was not in my, uh, in, in my plans, but it just came to me out of the ethers one day, about four years ago. And, and like I said, it's become a mission. It's really a joy to, to work with people and try to try to help a process that normally takes way too damn long with all kinds of ridiculous red tape and just, just, just try to cut through as much of that nonsense as possible and just talk to two people, right? The one and only decision maker on the company side. Right, right. And 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 a small number of candidates who are best qualified to fill the role. So it's been fun. Uh, you know, it's it's a constantly changing world, obviously, in the age of COVID now, all bets are off. And you know, there's a great silver lining too in these last two years, which is that. Now you can think to apply for a job in just about any city, and there's a chance that you'll be able to Mm. do it without uprooting your whole family. So it's extremely positive for job seekers now because there's so many more opportunities. Right. You don't necessarily have to be physically or geographically in the location of where the so-called job is, as long as it's not requiring constant face-to-face type of, uh, you know, uh, necessity to the job itself. But my question to you is, 
you know, you talked about the red tape of going through getting the two people together. But what about, I don't know, do you handle sort of clients that are actually looking for jobs? Or you're representing the business more because if you're representing an individual, there's a lot of <laughs> red tape, if you will, that they have to personally go through to see if they're actually seeking out the proper job for them. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I really do work on both sides of the hiring table. So for companies, I'm known as an exclusive and retained headhunter. It means first, there's nobody but me doing the search for the company. Bless their hearts, as they say in the South, there's no <laughs> HR people in the way. I don't, you know, I, I like them. Mm -hmm. but I don't work with them. So if a company's going to hire me, I'm the only person doing that search. There's no middle people. There's no, gee, now you got to talk to 16 HR people. It's just me on the company side exclusively. And then they retain me, meaning I'm getting paid half of my fee up front to start the search. That's how I know they're real and they're mm -hmm. serious. Right. And I can then give that money to my staff and my team and get this thing going. So that's where most of my revenue comes in. Ideally, on the other side of the hiring table, I'd prefer it if job candidates paid me $0 and zero cents. I'm happy to work my tail off for a candidate if they're really qualified for that job that I'm out there placing. Mm -hmm. However, I do offer what we call sessions on our website. These are optional where candidates who are having too hard a time getting through the process, they can hire me to work one-on-one -on -one and do some of that blocking and tackling, whether it's the obvious things like LinkedIn's and resumes or some deeper work to really try to get in there and figure out what these roadblocks are that are either driving people crazy in a process or, or frankly, helping people make the decision of how to focus who they are, what they are, and how they're selling themselves. Chris started a new job and was out of work for a while after his contract wasn't renewed at NBC in New York and sat on the sidelines. And Chris, I'm sorry if I'm saying something that's private, but I'll be doing the editing on this one. <laughs> <laughs> but there were a lot of questions as to why people, you know, say yes, 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 and then they disappear. And I'm curious, uh, before Chris, I let you address that too. Uh, Rob, what you're seeing as far as age, I mean, here we are in our early 60s, which is just hard to fathom. Are you seeing that as people our age, the middle-aged warriors, are they getting to the point where they're saying, that's it, check, please, I'm done. Or are there still happy endings being written? <laughs> well, you know, this is a funny topic for me. Uh, at the beginning of my journey four years ago with video episode number one, I had this little secret rule in my head about ageism. I said, you know what? I'm not talking about that because that is an <laughs> elephant in the room. And I don't want that elephant in the room. And I also don't want all that negativity in my own head. I'm going to avoid the topic. So I went into the first 
hundreds of daily video episodes, avoiding it like the plague. I talked about every kind of thing there was every single morning in my short daily videos, never talked about ageism. Then a literary agent found me on LinkedIn and said, oh my God, this is a book. You got to write a book. Huh. And we started talking about what would go in the book. And he said, you got to talk about ageism. I said, Ooh. really, do I? <laughs> I really don't want to. So he pushed me. And sure enough, in that first video, when I spoke about it, it blew up. It got tons of views. Here's what I'll say briefly on this topic. I believe that ageism is a prison that we all create in our own minds. And the mm. only way to break out of that prison and say, oh, I'm screwed. No one's ever going to hire me. I'm too old is to be too great versus all the other candidates. So you've got to outwork the other lazy candidates that, you know, can happen in so many steps of the process. The one that I recommend the most is a cover letter that will blow the company away. Most people write this boring robotic cover letter that says, I have a proven track record. I'm an <laughs> winner. I, I have 15 years of experience. The, the, the typical cover letters are me, 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 me. What I recommend, especially for older folk, is turn that upside down. Make the cover letter prove to them that you've got more content, more research, more insight, more ideas to bring to the table than any other candidate so that your value is what they're focused on. The specifics of the goods that you're bringing is the best antidote to, oh, my God, the guy's too friggin' old. So, yeah, well, that, but that's interesting. So you're saying within the cover letter itself, you should perhaps give them a little tasting menu of the types of things you could bring to them if they were to you know, be employed by that company. Amen. It yeah. works, Chris. I'm telling mm -hmm. you, I, I've used this trick for the last many years, and it, it really, really does the job. I, I placed a guy uh not that long ago to be head of all video for GQ. What did he do in minute one? He watched all of what they were currently doing and he had mm -hmm. a point of view about it, including, and this is dangerous. Mm -hmm. This is the, this is the third rail, right? Some constructive critique, right? You gotta, you gotta be brave to make that move. Right. But if you make a move like that and you've come with real constructive content, that's going to stand out so much more than the guy who says, I've been a subscriber of GQ for years and I'd be thrilled <laughs> to work there. Who cares? Right. I've got to ask you because years ago when I was on the air and wanting to get a job at a New York radio station, I decided, you know, everybody sends in their cassette. Everybody sends in their reel to reel. Remember those days? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and I thought I should be clever. So I remember a new program director getting hired at WPLJ in New York, and they were going up against Z100 for the top 40 numbers. And I remember going to Home Depot, buying a shovel and attaching my tape and my resume to it and bringing it to Penn Plaza where they were located and leaving it for the program director saying, here, 
I want to help you bury Z100. Oh, and how did so that go? That. How did it go? I like that. What I never kind of heard a peep. Did you get? I never heard a peep. <laughs> oh and the truth, of the, the truth of the matter is, you know, a, a few months later, I ended up getting hired at another radio station where I spent 13 years in New York. And that guy was on the fast track out of New York after no time. I applaud the bold move. I, I yeah. love the bold move. You know, that's a great one. I that's thought it was show. brilliant personally, but yeah. but I wasn't hiring me. So well, there you go. And, you know, to that point, Rob, there and I've been with managers in the office while they were looking at some candidates coming in for other positions while I had been employed there already. And they may have been looking a little bit for my feedback as well. But is there a thing as trying too hard? I've seen some things where... People Great would question. do something fairly extreme. And then I saw the eye roll, you know, my manager's eye, oh, no. <laughs> you know, like it was too much for them. And, and, and it, it didn't capture them in a positive way. It put them off. It, it smelled of desperation to them instead of inspiration. How, how do you deal with that fine Ooh, line? I like that. That's very clever. <laughs> well, you know, again, uh, I, I think it's really got to be about the richness of the content that you're bringing, the ideas, the quality of what you're bringing to the table, you know, Rick gave an example of kind of a stunt, you mm -hmm. know, I, I, it's a bold move. I applauded it. I still do. But I think moreover, it's, it, it, it's, it's a winning strategy to come with strong content. You also, you know, really need to act like you're on an episode of the Sopranos and, and, mm -hmm. and get somebody to vouch for you, get somebody who knows that hiring manager well and knows you well to go make that warm intro, that warm recommendation. That is just simply one of the most important things you could do as opposed to what most people do, which is playing that silly numbers game of a, a hundred cold uploads of resumes. Yeah. <laughs> Those cold uploads I think are largely a waste of time without at least some warm introduction, some warm recommendation that, that you've got to try to get from somebody who's one or two degrees away from the hiring manager. Mm -hmm. Do people still write letters? You know, again, for me, it has become one of the magic silver bullets, the cover letter. You'll talk to others who say, oh, it's a waste of time. Nobody reads them. Here's my caveat, Rick. I would say, as long as you know that that letter is going to be read by the decision maker, then roll up your sleeves, or in your case, you don't have any, but, but, <laughs> but roll up your sleeves and, and, and go for it, right? I, right? I don't recommend putting all that work in if you don't have some clarity that it's actually going to be seen, mm -hmm. but if you know you've got access to uh, the person making the call, then I I'm on the side of the fence that says the cover letter is key. My next question, I think I, I know the answer, but I wanted to be expressed to the audience from your perspective and, and what your functionality is as a headhunter for a corporation, for a company, for a business, compared to the indeeds of the world and all these job online job places where they could go out and solicit and get tons of uh, possible candidates. What's the advantage of having somebody like you? For a company, 
the problem that most of them have, especially again from those, bless their hearts, HR people, <laughs> is the, the hiring manager gets, gets inundated with a whole bunch of resumes. The, the recruiters feel like I'm doing my job if I'm sending you lots of candidates. Mm. We're offering a completely different service. We're saying, look, we're going to do all the hard work quietly on our end to vet the hell out of these people so that we're sending only a smaller number of candidates. But these are candidates that are checking, here it comes, almost all the boxes on that damn job description. The idea of somebody coming in and using this terrible phrase, trust me, I have transferable skills. <laughs> no, hiring managers don't want to hear that. They don't want to, you know, hear, trust me, I can do it even though I haven't done it. Yeah. You got to find people who check the boxes. Perfect. And so we're doing all that on the front end, making sure they're in the real range of salary requirement, making sure in this constantly changing goalposts of location, whether they're willing to move, whether they're hybrid, whether they've got to be remote. We're trying to remove all of those um, sort of stumbling blocks that put the hiring manager in a position where they know that if I'm going to do that dreaded first 30 minute interview, the person's already vetted, you know, mm -hmm. they've already, they've, they've already met the requirements. Hey, you're listening to middle-aged warriors with Chris and Rick. And our special guest today is headhunter extraordinaire. How do you like that? And author of a great book called uh, your next best job, which I, I love the title You're of that. You're so close. Next was, job, best job. Next job, best job. <laughs> next, then I will re-edit it. You know what? It's, I lost my picture. Oh, I, love, I love the fact that you have the book behind you, and I can't read my own handwriting, but the book was very helpful. Thank you, sir. I wanted to ask you if you could promote, A, your website and your daily videos, because I was watching one of your uploads in you were lying in a hammock in your backyard and you said, remember how it feels to feel great. And I thought that was a, a, a great pill for anybody who is not feeling so great being at on, on the shelf. Yeah, well, you know, the book begins with three full chapters about how to get over a lot of the pain, the suffering, the agony, the loss of confidence, all that stuff that's happened to me more times than I wish and happened to so many of my friends. Look, we, you know, maybe in our next incarnation, we'll all meet and agree to not do stupid show business and media <laughs> and entertainment. But, Amen. you know, for better or worse, most of our friends, most of our real friends, our closest friends, and most of our work friends grew up watching way too much television, way too many movies, listen to way too much music. And so here we are in this business where you're up, you're down, you're in, you're out. But no matter how successful you are, you come to these moments that, that I somewhat jokingly always call hashtag IBJA, I-B-J-A, stands for in between jobs again. And you know, <laughs> each time that happens, 
no matter how confident you are, it can kind of hurt, you know, and, and really take time to figure out how to stop going. Those freaking, they screwed me. They did, you know, we, we get into all these kind of, uh, I don't know, triggered responses that are filled with bad stuff. Right. And so I tried to take the first couple, three chapters of this book to write about, as you asked, not just getting over it, but also remembering how great you feel when you are on top of the world. And then, I don't know, make believe you're an Academy Award winning actor, but you got to get back into that character in order to have the right game face to go through these interviews and get back to the moment where somebody says, I like this guy. Right. You, know? right. you got to work on getting yourself back into the better headspace. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've kind of described on a personal level the last two and a half years of my life. Uh, yeah, and that's why I think those those chapters, those initial chapters in your book are so important because it is tortuous because you go through the process of almost there's a, a sense of relief to a degree when it first happens of like, well, OK, that's over new chapter. And then nobody's writing the new chapter for you and you're trying to write the new chapter, but nobody's reading that new chapter or listening or you know wants it. So that becomes the challenge. And the more time that goes on, yeah, you oscillate between, gee, I had some great moments to, I must really suck now because nobody's interested. And that was tough. And the other part that that uh, Rick was hinting at, and there's a reality to this too, there was a movie called She's Just Not That Into You or something like that. Right. The bottom line is I had people say, hey, uh, somebody, so-and-so was asking about you and what you're doing these days and they're starting up a new whatever. And they, you know, and then you reach out to them and you hear crickets and you reach out again and you hear crickets and then they disappear or another one strings you along for a while and then nothing happens. And it's hard to take that other than the reality is they just really did want you at the end. You, you weren't maybe the fit in their head for what they needed. But fortunately for me, and hopefully for a lot of other people, I, I landed in a place that I think is probably the best fit. And I'm glad I didn't get into those other locations because this is the best fit for where I am at this point in my career. And I have never felt better. I've never felt more respected and appreciated. That's priceless as far as I'm concerned. As you know, hey, at Rob, this point in your career, that's what you want to, you Rob, want to feel wasn't it your Wasn't it your grandmother who said in our last podcast, mm -hmm. you'll know when you know? Yes. That's a great yeah. line. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It, and, and that is something that's in here. It's in this part of you. It's not so much in mm -hmm. here. It's visceral. You know, you kind of, you got to really work on your intuition and your instinct and stick with your gut in these things because it's a visceral feeling. That said, when you're getting close to maybe happening with a yes in a new job, you also have to put that investigative hat on a little bit before you agree to put all of your hard work into another new place and do something that I forgot to do on some of my worst jobs, which is investigate that management a little bit. Ask mm -hmm. around. I've, mm -hmm. I've been guilty a time or two of needing a job so badly that the minute that they waved that big check in front of me, I went, yes. And <laughs> what I didn't do once or twice is bothered to ask a bunch of friends like, hey, what do you know about this CEO? And, mm -hmm. and I could have avoided what ended up being a couple of pretty bad rodeos, you know? So, so on the one hand, you're listening to your gut and you're following it, but then before you commit, 
I also inspire people now to just do a little digging because if mm-hmm. there are bad actors out there, it's it's not hard to it's not hard to get the info. I just want to ask you if you think retirement is overrated. Retirement, that word? Yeah. <laughs> that word, What's the that? R word? You just raised the R word. The, the R word. See, with two ex-wives, three kids, and a grandchild coming any minute now, oh, I, wow. I don't know that I'm ever going to understand the reality of that R word. Um, I, I don't know. I just, you know, that word just, that that takes this whole interview into what? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <right. No. laughs> It's the that was like the anti-interview to this interview. Sorry, uh, sorry about that. But but to to go back to another point for you because it was a a career path four years ago that you really knew apparently not all that much about, very little about. Uh, I googled when, it. What's that? You I googled, googled it. it. Like everything else, right? But when did you start to feel it was getting traction as a career? What was happening? What were there a, a couple of things that stood out that you were able to complete? For people in terms of finding somebody for them that suddenly hey the word is spreading this guy's good at what he does and and it and it blossomed what was really the catalyst for it really getting traction yeah well you know i i said it with a smile but i swear to you chris you know i i was doing these daily uh videos for uh, the first eight or nine or ten days not knowing where it was leading to my phone was blowing up and all these people were reaching out to me saying, dude, what are you, what are you doing? You know? And, and after eight or nine of them, this guy called me and he said, listen, I met you at MTV a long time ago. I love what you're doing. Do I have this right? Are you a headhunter? And there was no zoom back then. So he couldn't mm. see the shock <laughs> look on my face when I said, Yes, I'm a headhunter. And 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 then I swear to you, I really did start Googling exclusive retainer commission percentage. I was just doing a quick, quick, quick check on what I assumed some of the correct answers would be in this exam that I never saw coming. That first role was for a chief operating officer where the company was willing to pay a base salary of approximately $600,000. Wow. So when a recruiter like me gets a nice percentage of that sure. 600,000, that's when a little tear started to drip <laughs> out of my eye. And, and I did the math and I thought, wait a minute, Ooh. I was a president at CBS. I worked for Les Moonves. May mm-hmm. he rest in- uh, uh, In retirement. In retirement. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> See, that's why you're the air personality. May he rest in retirement. Um, I started doing the math and I realized, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I could- place three or four senior people in 365 days, those three pieces of work right there could add up to more than they were paying me as a president at CBS. And and that's when I started to realize this wasn't just a way to help a lot of people. It really is a lucrative career if you could figure out how to do it well. We're, we're going to jump out of here in a couple of minutes, but I also know just from reading on your website that you're looking to hire. You're trying to find the next Rob to come oh, and more help headhunters. you. Yeah. Yeah. To help you build yeah, that, your business. You know, if, if we have one failing in the first four years, 
It's that there's only 24 hours in a day and I can only fill so many jobs. I have a staff, but I'm the one, you know, sort of, uh, I would say gray hair. I'll say no hair <laughs> hunter guy, right? I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm at a point right now where we're going to look to bring some more people in for the singular purpose of being able to serve more companies and serve more job seekers. Well, before we go, people can't see at home, but I, we're always curious about what's behind our guests. And I, last time, I think you were kind of sitting in the same area, but I do have a, two questions. I see your book and next to your book, is that Captain Kirk, a, a miniature Captain Kirk? It is, <laughs> it is. And, and and let me tell you something, Chris. I, I had Captain, uh, when I was about 11 or 12 years old, he ended up in some box somewhere and I hadn't seen him for decades and decades. Ah. And decades. I found the same week that he went into space. Oh, really? <laughs> I just happened to open up an old box and I found the captain. So it just, it makes me happy. Yes. <laughs> no, life, life. Life's a funny journey. It really is. That's a, that's kind of a fun story. I was, yeah. I noticed he wasn't there the last time. So I'm like, that seems to be a new, wow. and the I, other I, thing is you found him. He was lost and now he is found. He's found. That would be lost in space. That was another show, but you kind of yeah. combine the two. I like that. Will Robinson. But the last, the last thing also, you have a ton of vinyl behind you, but vinyl is sort of coming back in its own way. Do you still buy uh, new prints now, new vinyl at all? I'm one of those guys a couple of weekends ago on record store day that stood yeah. outside before the store opened for two and a half hours. I, <laughs> I could get in there and buy oh. those rare uh, releases that only have a few copies mm -hmm. made each year. Yeah, I'm, I've been a junkie. Uh, it's It's the thing that has filled my soul since I was a little boy and always collected, always bought and always looking for the next one. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you before we check out of here, I mean, talking with you is really such a joy and it's a chance to reminisce back to the early days of MTV and then VH1 and our jobs. You and I have a lot more in common than you and Chris do in the sense that we both have radio backgrounds but we're all media bastards of some, of some sort. And we really appreciate time with Rob Barnett and hope we talk to you again soon. It's amazing how much has changed in the last year since we caught up with you. Thank you guys so much. It's really good to be back with you. Stay well, continued success. All right. Well, Rob is always an interesting guest, and I, I love. I, I think we should do just a separate show talking about music, his musical taste. What oh, people yeah. can't see that that music collection he has is tremendous, and just a really uh, a cool guy and a determined guy, and a guy who reinvented himself completely yeah, in the last absolutely. four years and has become yeah. a dynamo at what he does. It's it's fascinating, really. Yeah. It's inspiring too. I almost wish I was looking for a job and needed a head on, because <laughs> <laughs> well, he'd be like a really good guy to know. I think. Yeah, I mean, well, clear, I'm not know. so sure for talent like like you are and I was. No, but certainly from management, boy, if you're in you know in the market for a new job and you're in broadcast management, he's definitely a guy I would reach out to. Yeah, any high level positions in particular. Hey, look, when companies are willing to say we're going to give you 50 percent of your commission up front, yeah. they know they know he's going to get the job done. They know he's going to bring the right candidate. Uh, across totally. them so that's 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 a good that's a good sign you're doing something right but uh you know awesome to talk to rob as always any uh, any wrap-up thoughts on that or where we're going yeah. 
No, um, he's great. And I'm really glad we had him on again. And we will have him on again and again, probably, because mm -hmm. people are always going to be looking for jobs and trying to reinvent themselves. But I did want to ask you how you are and uh, what's new, anything new in your life? Uh, everything job-wise, we'll stay on that vein, has is, is been good. I'm still good. loving what I'm doing. And hopefully, hopefully, he said with his fingers crossed, there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of things going on at the station right now, a lot of renovations going to happen. Very, They're all exciting things, uh, which I'm looking forward to over the next several months. But one of them uh, hopefully is starting our lifestyle show come June. And uh, already had some guests, you know, hopefully lined up for that. One interesting thing did happen, by the way, like I got that. to meet somebody that I've admired for years in television and movies, a real New York, authentic New Yorker actor, and that's Judd Hirsch. I was at a really, at a, yeah, I was at a city college event, my alma mater, and he oh, went yeah. to the school as well. And it turned out we ended up sitting at the same table, met his uh, lovely wife, Catherine Danielle, also an actress, and we just really hit it off. And we've actually been texting back and forth a little since and and hoping to get him on the show when things kick off. But oh, it was great. I mean, this is this is the guy. I don't know if you watched Taxi growing up a I lot. Did. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, and he was just, I would just felt he was a genuine character. I never felt like Judd Hirsch was acting. It's sort of like, oh, it's that's the guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he really does a great job. So I, that was, that I was did cool. not know that he was a New Yorker. Mm -hmm. He's 80, okay. he's 87 years old and actually is in a Steven Spielberg movie that is going to come out. He wouldn't, he wow. couldn't tell me more about that, but that's when we're hoping we're going to get him next fall uh, okay. as a guest. Yeah. So that's great. And I, and he went to CUNY? He went to City College. Oh, yeah. he did. Went to City wow. College back, back in the day, a little bit before me. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A <laughs> few yeah. years. But the school's amazing. It celebrated its 175th anniversary. Oh, my that, God. That's, you know, it was the first free college. What a great concept that, uh, you know, Townsend Harris had. It, it's 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 kind of a, it's it's really a cool school to do a little research and history on. And it's growing by leaps and bounds every year. So that's, uh, yeah. that's some good stuff. All right. On that note, that's enough of that. I'm going to say goodbye. Sunshine always. Stay safe. Stay smart out there. See ya. He's Chris Amino. I'm Rick Summers. This has been and continues to be Middle Age Warriors. And of course, we continue to be sponsored by, don't forget, Bet Online. Bet Online. There you go. Play us out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.